Welcome to the Marvelous Madams podcast, where we are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. I'm your host, Madam Amy, and as part of our Marvelous Artist series, I'm talking with fan artists, cosplayers, and other creators who are passionate about the Marvel Universe. This month's Marvelous Artist episode is a little different. Madam Chris is joining us. Hey, everybody. So our loyal listeners know that Amy usually handles these interviews by herself because my art knowledge is lacking, to say the least. But I have something in common, shut up, Amy, with this month's artist. So here I am. Today's guest is joining us from foggy old London town. Please assure her that that's a thing because she feels stupid saying foggy old London town and I don't understand why because not only is it a thing, but hello, daredevil, foggy. No, it's a thing. Um, our weather sucks, don't worry. <laughs> we, we, we accept that. Yeah, but it sounds like I've time traveled to the 1940s to a Frank Sinatra song. It's cute and it fits. Well, let's be honest, we haven't changed that much. <laughs> She's a chronically crafty zebra with a passion for Daredevil. Welcome to the show, Monique. Hi. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Good. So we are recording this on December 29th. Monique, tell us, are you as thrilled as we are to see the back end of 2020? Oh, yes. I mean, as much as it's been... It's, I kind of have mixed feelings about this year, actually. Um, as much as it's been a really horrible year for everyone with the whole COVID-19 situation, and I've been in several lockdowns this year, being in London, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually been a really positive year for me as well with the artwork I've produced. So I can be thankful for that. Awesome. That's great. And that is why you are here today, because you create some incredible daredevil art. And it's not just one type of art. You really branch out. Thank you. So tell us, how and when did you first get into Marvel? Oh, um, I don't know if I should be confessing to this. Um, <laughs> as a child, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to start. It's okay. Um, this, is a, this is a safe zone. Yeah, I know. But this is the part where everybody actually gets to label me as a complete nerd. And um, I try to avoid that. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to. It's okay. Um, it's okay. Our audience... <laughs> Our audience has seen my Funko collection. It's okay. We understand. (laughs) But yeah, as a child, um, I used to watch the Spider-Man show, the animated one Mm -hmm. back in the 90s. And I absolutely loved it. I used to also watch the really old X-Men. Not that I remember much of what I watched, but at the time it was was dope. I loved it. Yeah, there's something about those movies that you watch them, but you can't remember them. Yeah, I don't know. They don't stick. Yeah. <laughs> They're great, don't get me wrong. I mean, at the time, where my age, you know, it was really great to sit down and watch superheroes because it was like, wow, this is cool. But it's nothing that would stay with me. Yeah, I thought that was just me. No, definitely me as well. What character was it that really caught your attention? As a kid? Mm-hmm. Is definitely Spider-Man. I absolutely adored Spider-Man. I don't know what it was about him. Maybe it's because he was quite cheeky and quite cocky at the same time. Um, 
I really, really liked Spider-Man. And what about as an adult? Oh, as I got older, like my needs got a bit darker. <laughs> and um, before you know it, you're into Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a transition for sure. Going from a uh, nice cheeky Spider-Man to, yeah, dark and gloomy Daredevil. Well, I mean, if, yeah, if you're looking, if you're feeling dark, Daredevil's the way to go for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, pun intended. Yeah. It's kind of funny you made that transition because as Amy and I have discovered recently, there's so much overlap in the comics and so many team-ups between Spider-Man and Daredevil. Oh yeah, definitely. But the thing is, I never really took note of it, which is really, really strange because as a kid, it was kind of like, who's this guy? Like, why is he here? And um, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really know much about Daredevil until a few years ago. All I knew was there was this random blind guy running around (laughs) with little devil horns and it's like, okay, cool. This guy. Don't really know much about him, though. So what was it that led you to seek out something darker? Well, my life took a bit of a turn in 2017 when my health took a really bad decline. And I actually lost my job. And I wasn't doing much at all apart from being really miserable. And I ended up in a really dark place in my life, which scared me because I didn't really know how to get out of it. And I was very lucky to have a friend say to me, you need to watch this. And he was talking about Daredevil on Netflix. And at the time I looked at him and I'm like, a TV show. I don't really need to watch a TV show right now. It's not really going to help. And he's like, no, you need to watch this. With what you're going through right now, it will help. So I watched it. And within the first 10 minutes, it just, I, I just got sucked into it, you know? And I realized that this guy I was seeing on the screen, I was like, my God, that's me. I feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what clicks suddenly, right? And at, at what time and what place in your life. Yeah. What was it about Matt specifically that you related to so much? And not just adult Matt, but also young Matt. I think it was the transition he had to go through. He, if you look at Matt, I mean, this might just be my personal opinion, but it's almost like he's had two lives mm-hmm. and that's so difficult, you know? And I didn't go through that as a kid where my diagnosis was a lot later on in life. I was diagnosed at the age of 25 and I can't imagine what it was like being his age and having everything just go upside down for you, mm-hmm. you know? Right. But the way he handled it, as in a sense of he knew he was different, he knew he his health was against him, he turned it into a strength. And that resonates so strongly with me. Because as I'm going through all these things in my life, and I'm thinking, oh God, I'm never going to be the same again. I'm never going to be able to do this, never going to be able to do that. I started to look at it differently, as in a sense of actually, can I use this as a strength? Can this difference make me better at doing some things? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I resonated with Matt in the same way. So just for a little background here, can you tell our audience what it means to be a zebra and what that has to do with your diagnosis and how it relates to a lot of Matt's issues? Yeah, absolutely. I personally have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, fibromyalgia, and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So I have, I have a list of um, issues. 
But what it does is it makes my joints and parts of my insides of my body uh, more flexible than they should be. So I can suffer from dislocations, um, subluxations of the joints, as well as constant chronic pain um, from things moving around like they shouldn't be. And it does tend to give you a sort of wavy line of a life because you peak up and then you get really tired and then you get really down and then it's kind of rinse and repeat. So a bit like how you see Matt where he gets beaten up, he gets really low about it and then he has to take time to rest. It's exactly what it feels like to be a zebra. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason I am on uh, the show here today because I also have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos, though not as uh, severe on the joints as Monique does. For me, where I relate the most to Matt is his extreme sensitivity. When he is writhing around on that bed, as a child, because he just can't take all that noise. Man, that hit me right in the gut. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's also a part where where he needed a particular type of bed sheet because it was irritating him, anything else he couldn't have. And I've never taken anything (laughs) so much to heart when I actually realized, oh my God, it's exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Because there's certain things that you become very sensitive to, like um, certain touches that really irritate you noises mm-hmm. smells it's it's crazy you kind of become a little daredevil without realizing <laughs> it's so true and especially this week in uh, in san antonio where i am for somebody you know who has to deal with um people who just have to have their fireworks for a whole week it's loads of fun yeah i absolutely hate fireworks yes <laughs> and it's, you know you end up being the party people because it's like oh, really don't want fireworks and they're like why not it's like for all reasons exactly that's how I ended up screaming barefoot in my bathrobe outside of my house last year (laughs) I really needed Matt Murdock in that moment just to like put the fear of God in my neighborhood to cut the shit Uh, I think he'd have a problem with it too because it's really really loud yeah and the smell I think yeah, the smell that's gets true. to me afterwards as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that accurate. Oh. So you came to the show in 2017. How long did it take before you realized you needed to start creating artwork based on this show? So I was still as I just got diagnosed in 2017, I was still having problems doing normal things because I was scared at a point because of dislocations I was having and the pain I was experiencing. And I was too scared to touch anything art-wise. It was only really till they cancelled the show and I really wanted to help and thought to myself, how can I contribute? How can I get get this out there and get people to sign? How can I get people involved? And then I realised I had a skill that I could actually use um, for the campaign. So then I kind of got the balls to say, I'm going to start drawing again and let's just see what people think of it. So art has always been a passion for you growing up. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been drawing since I was very, very little. Very okay. little. I even had an art piece go up in a town hall when I was in nursery. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was that passionate about it, um, which I think it shocked everyone because I went to uni to study to be an illustrator and actually dropped out to just work. And everyone was like, no, why did you do that? And truthfully, I think it was because I was always fed this idea that artists don't make money. Mm-hmm. It was like a, 
yeah, it's a passion, but it's it's more of a hobby, and you should keep it as a hobby. Well, um, yeah, which did kind of play in my head a bit, and yeah, in the end, it did get the better of me, and I was like, okay, fine, just drop it. Yeah, yeah it, it, art is something that I've been passionate about growing up as well, and I had the same mindset that art can't make money, so I pivoted a bit and I got into web design. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know it. It can be hard, and everyone around you is generally rather discouraging when it comes to the arts or something that's not a general basic corporate culture kind of job no definitely I mean I I would have loved to have more support because I feel like if I did I would never stopped I would have just kept going and Mm -hmm. I probably would be in a different position than I am now but I mean I I I could just be grateful the fact that I actually picked it back up (laughs) because I didn't think I ever would to be honest with you Right. And in your case, you're very lucky because not only do you have a passion for art, you're damn good at it. And that helps in terms of perseverance. Thank you very much. You know, it's always always lovely to hear people say that because I'm my worst critic. I really am. Half the the time I draw stuff and it's like, I'm not putting that online. (laughs) I'm not doing that. (laughs) That's going in the bin. And, you know, I've been told by so many people, they're like, no, even if you don't like it, just put it out there. I'm sure someone will love it. And I'm just learning how to do that now. That's good. Yeah, I have Chris over here who is always yelling at me because I never seem to like the stuff that I put out. Mm-hmm. We just we... had a conversation today mm-hmm. about that. Literally two <laughs> hours ago, she asks me, which of those images do you like the least? And I said, what an odd, like, what a weird question. Like, I like them all. She said, well, which one do you like the least so I can tinker with it? No, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah it's it's an artist thing I'm afraid some of us can't help it you know and in a way it's it's a good thing because you always grow and you always learn yeah you always want to improve yeah you always do want to improve which tells me that you're never satisfied with what you're doing which means you will always have room for improvement yes but at the same time it can be very degrading on yourself because you're not actually realizing you're doing a good job and you're being a bit too hard on yourself And, you know, it's funny that this came up because I've seen Charlie Cox say this in many an interview that he is just incredibly self-deprecating and always worried that he's just not doing a very good job, which blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, he should take a look at the petition, see how many people think he's doing an amazing job. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because he does do an amazing job, but... Yeah, I mean, we all fall into that trap of um, thinking we're not doing a good job or we're not doing as much as we could be doing. But it, it's just one of those things. Yeah, we can always do better. It's Yeah, yeah. and that goes, that goes double for anyone with chronic illness because we already feel lesser than half the time. We already oh, yeah. feel like we're especially, you know, I was out of the workforce too since I, five years I couldn't work. And I didn't get, I mean, I've been experiencing all of these symptoms since I was 12 years old, but I didn't get diagnosed until I was 32. Wow. Yeah. So it's wow. been a, a very, very long road there. So just knowing that you have something to contribute, a skill, a passion, you know, something that you can channel all that pent up energy and frustration into, it makes all the difference. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I think just having that sense of purpose is amazing 
because what a lot of people don't realize with chronic illnesses is half the time you're staying at home and half the time you're not doing things that you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who don't know things about chronic illnesses have this impression that it's a choice that you choose to live that lifestyle and you choose to stay at home and you choose to be miserable and you choose to be in pain. And it's completely not like that. You know, there's a part of us that's like, damn, I really wanted to do this, but I can't now. Mm-hmm. And just being able to find a way to actually still do what you love is it's everything. Yeah, and there's only so much that positive thinking can get you when there's a yeah. physical thing stopping you. Yeah, I mean, I am quite fortunate in a sense that I found ways to keep drawing because it, there was a point I couldn't even hold a pencil properly because it was killing my joints so badly. Mm-hmm. And I actually wear splints to do my drawings with so my fingers don't bend in weird ways that give me pain um Mm -hmm. and I do take breaks now which is something I had to get into the habit of doing so do you primarily do uh digital or physical drawings um these days I draw digitally so I draw with a tablet right and I use photoshop um which I shouldn't really be doing because that's quite annoying (laughs) but I'm quite comfortable with photoshop and drawing on there yeah, I think Photoshop is great. Why shouldn't you be using Photoshop? I've heard loads of people tell me after, like, you should be using Illustrator to do your work. You know, you should be using a proper art program. And I'm like, yeah, but I know how to use Photoshop. I used to study graphics, so I'm very familiar with Photoshop. Yeah, it's perfectly all right. Yeah, and you know, should is probably the most dangerous word in the world for our people. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it would be safe to say for you that art can also be therapeutic in ways oh yeah definitely because when there's just something about being able to sit down and zone out I absolutely love that and art for me has always been one of those things where you get to be in your element for a while and I listen to a lot of music when I draw Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people can't do that they need complete focus but for me it's just getting everything inside out on a page and I love being able to do that. Yeah, it's the same for me when I'm working on something. I need music. Yeah, I have to. For me, the outlet was always writing. I am not an artistic person, as Amy will attest. So I actually discovered back in, what was it, Aim? Probably around, we, we started the business. We started the business planning in, in February. And by like April. March, no? We met in Feb. Feb, okay, March, whatever. Yeah. By, by like April, I couldn't understand what the hell was going on with my thumbs. Yeah. My thumbs were all torn up all the time, bleeding, cuts yeah. everywhere. And it took me a while to figure it out. My acupuncture was finally the one who pointed it out because I have absolutely no common sense. I was typing and writing so much on my laptop. I have to start wearing, as Amy likes to call them, thumb condoms. To prevent my skin from breaking. Hey, to be fair, I gave you that idea and gave you you the name as well. Oh, absolutely. My husband calls them thumb condoms too. I'm surrounded. (laughs) You can see why we get along. She already has training with someone else. Yes, this is true. (laughs) So it's, it's amazing the things you can do. I'm so happy that you're able to still do the detailed work you need to do with the splints on. It did it, it take some getting used to mm-hmm. because they're proper solid um, silver splints. 
And uh, I started using the plastic ones at first, and I absolutely hated them. They're so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I actually had to order mine from the States because there's, I couldn't find anyone in the UK that made these splints. And um, when they came, I just remember going, yes, I can draw. I can do this now. And um, I did. I got used to it. And they've been great for me. That's wonderful because it's so hard for us to find the right splints and adaptive equipment because of what that stuff can do to our skin. Yeah. Yeah. See, but there's little things like this that I don't think a lot of people realize we have to think about. Mm-hmm. There always seems to be another problem that arises from a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually and- Googling these splints right now to figure out what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually got told off by one of my doctors um, when I was going to the fracture clinic because I had torn my ACL, um, oh. turning over in bed, actually. Yeah, it just oh my snapped, God. Yeah. completely went. And um, I had to go on um, splints and um, crutches for a while. And I remember it being so tight, this splint, like because it had metal rods on the side of it. Oh. And um, my leg went completely numb. And it must have been mm. for a good... 12 hours straight and I kept thinking to myself is this normal should I be going to hospital is this okay and I thought it's probably fine it's probably just a brace and I oh. went back to the doctors the next day and she really shouted at me she was like you're so stupid it could have been something really serious and I'm like well I'm alive so it's okay right <laughs> no numbness is never a good sign no. Yeah, I, I realise that now. I probably should have gone to the hospital. But, but yeah, you know, you're lucky. there's only so many times you can go for something before they look at you like, it's you again. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. And how many times have we experienced numbness? It's just a part of our lives, yeah. you know? So we don't think anything of it when it happens again. Hold up. Oh, you yeah, guys experience funny. numbness? Yes. Yeah. Okay, chorus answers. Um <laughs> I, my hips okay. were my hips were numb to the touch for like two years. Holy crap! Is yeah. that not like uh, a a thing with the circulation? Is that bad? No kidding. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way your joints are. You know, it, it can do weird and wonderful things to your body. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you say wonderful. Well, it is because it's different. It, it is. <laughs> you know, and it, you know, as I've said to you before, Aim, it's almost like because we're so much more sensitive to stress that our bodies almost act like, and you know, we've seen Matt deal with this on the show. It's like an early warning system. Yeah. You know, so we may have all of these other issues. We're never going to die of a heart attack at 50 because we don't deal with our shit, you know? <laughs> Because we have to deal with stress. We have to figure out how to adapt and control it and live with it. Because if we don't, then we're living in a prison of pain. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty bang on. So now you have a few different, what I would call categories of the art that you do. Can you describe the different types of pieces you create? Style, my dear. Style. Style. <laughs> I know I got you. Um, this is why I'm not I find- normally on these episodes. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I find it really difficult to describe the kind of styles of artwork I create because I think you could easily put four of my pieces on the table and go, wow, that's completely different to the last one. Mm-hmm. I tend to fluctuate between the kind of semi-realism drawings to the more cartoon chibi kind of drawings. Um, and that's purposely... On- done because of my mood i think 
I think sometimes yeah. I like to tackle the more darker, hard things with more cute, chibi-like drawings because it's it's more light-hearted. Because sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes you get into a, a really good piece. Like I done a huge painting of Matt over this year, and half the time I had to stop doing it because I was just getting too emotional doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was about this painting, but I was sitting there painting and I would literally start crying sometimes and people would be like what's wrong and I'm like I'm I'm just getting too emotional I have to step back <laughs> you know so I think that's why I fluctuate between the two styles just to get a bit of a break from the emotions yeah I totally get that because you know the EDS affects our brains too we're wired differently and because we're so sensitive it also makes us much more sensitive to emotions and to chemical fluctuations yeah and also sometimes I get something called fibro fog mm-hmm. so I will have flare-ups where I don't really understand what's going on around me or I don't remember things or I can't talk properly I've actually had one so bad before I thought I had a stroke I was completely confused with what I was doing oh. and sometimes when I'm in that state it's better to draw something small and easier than to commit to something bigger and more detailed. Mm-hmm. That Have you sense. finished that piece of work that you mentioned earlier that you did this did, this year? The painting. Yeah, the painting. I did finish it. I did. Um, it wasn't as big as I had hoped it to be. It was actually the size of my wall by the time I put it up. The canvas was absolutely huge. Okay. Um, I probably bit off a bit more than I could chew with that one, but I did manage to kind of cut him down and frame him. So I'm proud he got finished anyway. The background didn't, but Matt did. Okay, that's good. Uh, what medium do you use for your paintings? Believe it or not, I like painting with acrylic. Um, ah. Which is not a normal choice, really, for the more detailed works. Um, yeah, I would have I like oil. Yeah, I've, I don't like oil. I think I don't like it because it takes so long. Uh-huh, um, okay. The beauty with acrylic is it dries quite quickly. So you could go to one area, it's dried, and then move on and then come back. And, you know, it's, it's a quicker process. And it's buildable. And I like texture. Right. I like things looking quite rough. I'm not a very clean artist. I don't think I'm a clean artist anyway. Uh, I can see that. You have a lot of texture on your artwork. And I think that fits well with the show, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like my work to look quite dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you find in a way that putting the dark and gritty out on the canvas or out on the tablet, do you feel like it's almost cleansing in a way? Like it's getting it out of you and into something else? Yeah, I would actually. Um, I do think it's a good release. And I do think sometimes we do build up our emotions or we do have negative things going on on in our lives where we just want to get it out. And it's the safest and um, probably the nicest way to get it out of our systems. Yeah, and safe is the word because we can't pull a Matt Murdock and go to the gym and hit a heavy bag. I'm glad you said heavy bag because I was thinking something else, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can't get our frustrations out really in a physical way. So, you know, we have to turn to other areas and art is such an outlet for that. Yeah, because if you physically get it out, not only 
do actually run the risk of hurting yourself where you're actually physically going to hurt yourself but when your emotional state becomes unstable our health tends to take a dip with it Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a cycle where you've got to be mindful of both physical and emotional yeah exactly yeah we really just have to stay so much more on top of it than regular people yeah so monique of the artwork that you've sent us which is the closest to your heart Oh, the closest one, I would probably say is the black and white piece I did of Matt, where he's just got the little red streaks on his cheek. That one was the one I was actually used for the Save Daredevil Con badges. I think I like that one the most because it was the one that took the least amount of time. It was a very odd one because it sort of just come out. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know where that piece came from. It was like, okay, I'm going to draw this today. And... I didn't struggle with it. I didn't fight with it. It literally just poured out of me. Yeah, now that I'm looking at it, it looks quick. The brush strokes. Yeah, it was very, very quick. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it goes wonderfully for the badge. Which brings me to how did you get involved in this whole uh, Save Daredevil campaign? Well, I was a big Daredevil fan before it got cancelled um, because, as, as I explained before, I started watching it and it was a really big help for me when I was going through my health issues. And as soon as I heard it was cancelled, I took to the internet and thought, okay, how are we going to fight this back? And I actually came across the petition and I signed it, I think it was three days after the show was cancelled, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been helping ever since, you know, it's been two years now. And I made some really wonderful friends from the Save Daredevil campaign. And a couple of them were actually on the official Save Daredevil team. And I got very lucky in a sense of they took such a liking to my work. It was like, Monique, would you be interested in perhaps sharing some of it with us to use? And it's immediately mind blown by that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got really lucky and my artwork was used for Save Daredevil Con. And I think they're better for it. Can you explain real quick what Save Daredevil Con was? Yeah, so it was a uh, virtual Comic Con uh, type event that Save Daredevil did. Uh, Obviously, during the year, we couldn't do anything because everybody was locked down and nobody was able to have social meetups, which the Save Daredevil team tend to do quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really good way to kind of bring everyone closer to Save Daredevil. So we tried to make it as much as a uh, Comic Con as possible. So we had uh, panels, interviews, um, virtual meetups, uh, virtual rewatches. And we even had Artist Alley, which was amazing because we got to see so many other people's artwork as well. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, like we told Christina when she guested on our show, you guys have done an absolutely incredible job with that campaign. Oh, yeah. The team is absolutely amazing absolutely amazing and you know the fact that i i am friends with so many of them and i get to work closely with them is even more amazing i feel absolutely honored you know i don't think they realize what a big deal they actually are (laughs) to everyone out there who's a daredevil fan because we look up to them we really do yeah and if the show is brought back everyone in the fandom will have you guys to thank for it well, you know, I always say it's a team effort because I'm not actually on the official team, um, contrary to what people think. I think some people think I do so much. They're like, yeah, she's part of the team, but I'm not actually part of the official team. I just know a lot of them and work quite closely with them. And 
you know, there's not one single person who's contributed towards Daredevil that hasn't done so much. You know, I can literally hand on heart say I'm proud of every single person that ever tweets, ever contributes artwork, ever gets involved. You know, it is is a group effort, 100%. You know, you've made me realize something. This is a note for everyone out there in fandom listening. If you ever want a show brought back, rally the chronic illness people for it. Don't fuck with our content. It's all we've got. (laughs) I tell you what, the fandom without fear is just... We're either really stubborn or just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because, honestly, we just don't back down. You know, we are little Matt Murdocks at our finest because... (laughs) We just don't take no for an answer. It's like, nope, we're getting up, we're doing this, we're going through it again. And, you know, we, we won't stop. I fully believe that we will not stop until we get the job done. Yeah. And, and we get what we want. And, you know, we don't take no for an answer because we've lived that way for how long? You know, we can't because we can't survive if we keep taking no for an answer. Exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. Murdoch's always stand up. Yeah. Well, we may not always be able to stand up, but we'll hold our heads up high. Assuming <laughs> metaphorically speaking. <laughs> yes, assuming you're not like me and you haven't had a stiff neck for the last three goddamn days. It will do, don't worry. Any any way, shape, or form works. <laughs> and you have the rest of the team to support you when you're not being able to stand up. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got each other's back, hundred percent. I keep making a joke that if we're allowed to next year, I would love to go to over to America and meet, you know, people from the team. And I said to them, I said, I might have to come with crutches. And they're like, no worries. We will even push you around in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got you back. This is exactly the kind of community we have. Just absolutely loving and supportive. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, not only the outlet for stress, the outlet for pain, but man, that support system, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, I didn't actually realize how many people shared similar stories to me until I started talking to people online about Daredevil. And I actually realized there's so many other people that had similar stories as in a sense of Matt helped them, empowered them to get up and carry on doing things with chronic illnesses. And it just, for once in my life, I felt like I wasn't alone because I do find that when you're going through diagnosis and you are going through health conditions that a lot of people have never heard of before in their lives, you are alone. And there's nobody there to really support you to go through it. Mm-hmm. But just finding out that I wasn't by myself, that was absolutely wonderful. So are you a fan of any other artists in the Marvel in general or the Daredevil fandom? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've made friends with a couple of them. But uh, Snoochie's work sticks out to me every single time I see her work. I've actually um, commissioned her a couple of times to draw some pieces for me because I love the way she draws Daredevil. I don't know if you've ever seen her work. She has quite a cartoon feel to her work as well. Oh, we're going to definitely check it out. Yeah. yeah, I actually did kind of say, you know, like, you know, maybe you should drop a line to like, and she's like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. I'm like, just go for it, go. So I will send her your way, 100%. Yeah, please. We're always looking for wonderful artists to feature. No, she's absolutely amazing. Do you read any fan fiction? I don't. Just because I've heard that some of it's quite cringeworthy, or in a sense of some of them maybe dip into themes that I'd rather avoid. <laughs> for that show especially, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I, I've heard a couple of times that my artwork has um, been pushed over to these fan fictions, especially in my blindfolded map. That, yeah, um, I can see that creating a lot of fan fiction. Yes. Yeah, it was totally unintentional, really. I didn't even <laughs> think about it when I was drawing it until I had a couple of women message me going, I really like that one. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh God, I see it now. Like I, I didn't see it before. <laughs> and it was like, oh God. And then I get like draw marks. And I actually got shadow banned off Instagram for that one. Um, just because of a rogue nipple. I'm like, come on, serious? So are are you part of any other fandoms? Not as intense as I am with Daredevil, no. I mean, there are other things I like, obviously. <laughs> but no, I'm not as committed to anything else. Um like Daredevil. I only have to ask because you're British. Sherlock? No, I think I'm the only British person that hasn't watched it. <laughs> and Doctor Who. I get that one a lot. Have you watched Doctor Who? No. I served him, if that helps. You served him? Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually served him when I was working. Um, Which one? Used to work, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? I think it's Matt Smith. Is his oh name my, Matt Smith? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually did serve him. He's a really lovely guy. Um, actually came back in the next day and told my manager how wonderful I was. I was like, thank you. Oh, That's you nice. know, um, I, I needed to hear that. Thank you for telling me that because for two seasons of The Crown, I've just wanted to punch him in the face. No, he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy, honestly. I didn't I didn't actually get who he was at first, but you know when everyone kind of stops working and stares at you? <laughs> I'm like, why is everybody staring? What's wrong? And they're like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, I recognize him. They're like, that's Doctor Who. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was one of those situations. You know, the fact that you're probably not a fan of the show is why he may have liked your service because you weren't getting all crazy or crazy about him, you know? Because people yeah. are crazy about him. No, I definitely kind of treated him like everyone else, but in a good way. You know, I was nice yeah. to all my customers. And I've, I think I've recommended him a wine or something like that. Okay. I think it wasn't wine, but um, yeah, he actually managed to come back in the next day and tell my manager how wonderful my recommendation was and what a wonderful person I was. And okay. I was like, yeah, Could we... I like you now. Could you and I have a discussion after the interview? Because <laughs> I need to learn about wine. Sure. I'm a complete dumbass when it comes to wine. I only got to know a little bit of it because I used to sell it. Because um, I used to work in a deli. Hey, so something's used... better than nothing. I just know well, red yeah. and white. That's it. Oh, no, I know more than that, for sure. Thank God. <laughs> oh, you guys have wine in delis? Yeah. I mean, it was a um, it was a butcher shop which had a deli in it. <laughs> and um, wow. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? So, well, I believe it or not, my father's a butcher, so this isn't an unusual thing for me. I, I grew up with it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so literally, see, there's even foggy references in my life. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I started working in there, and I used to deal with charcuterie, uh, cheeses, and wine. Ooh, okay, we need to talk about the cheeses, too. Yeah. I'm lactose intolerant, so I'm out on that one. Nor nor can I drink, so yeah, you two enjoy. <laughs> Frankly, the truth is I hate wine. But I just want to know because, you know, it's it's something that people talk about and I don't want to look like an idiot. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done a few wine tastings in my life and it took me a while to figure out that you're not supposed to swallow every single time <laughs> because it got to a point where I was drinking so much. I was like, oh God, I've got to go back to work after this. That wasn't a good idea. <laughs> but sometimes it's just so difficult because you're like, oh, I really like the taste of this one. And before you know it, you've drank like 20 different wines. Yeah. And it's, it's not the way to go. No, 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 it's not. And I would yeah. happily spit it out because I just don't like it. I'd probably spit it out too soon. Yeah, especially for those of us who are already a little wobbly, that could be problematic. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, there's no elegant way to spit wine out. There really isn't. So, like, True. when you've got like a bucket in front of you, or like, you know, and it's like, yeah, but how am I going to spit this out now and not look like an idiot? <laughs> so, I'd rather just swallow it. <laughs> I hope this doesn't get taken out of context in any way. <laughs> yeah, but then when you swallow it, you end up looking like a bigger idiot around the others. Yeah, but you're drunk, Wait. so you won't remember. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, Monique, tell us, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, so my artist name is uh, Mogigi, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and on my Kofi page, um, where I actually take commissions. So uh, feel free to contact me if you're interested in anything. You can also find Monique's work on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where she's featured as a Marvelous Artist for the month of January. Starting January 20th, we'll be releasing weekly episodes covering the highly anticipated Disney Plus series, WandaVision. So if you haven't subscribed yet, guys, do it. Do it now. FOMO is real. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. Thanks for listening and join us next week for our regularly scheduled programming in which we'll be discussing the epic season one finale of Daredevil. <laughs>